All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to the Biohacker Babes. This is episode 68. I am Lauren and I'm here with my sister Renee. Hello, everyone. We have a guest for you today. His name is Joe Cohen. He is the founder of Self Decode. Self Decode is a really awesome platform for genetic testing. So it's a way to personalize your health, wellness, fitness routine, lifestyle based on your genetics. So this is kind of the first time we're really getting into the genetic component. We talked about it a little bit with Christine Dynese, but if you remember, Christine and Joe are friends, and this is the platform that Christine was talking about. So we'll take a deep dive today with Joe. I think it's really fascinating. Renee and I obviously are incredibly motivated by personalization and really finding out what works for you. And I think it doesn't get deeper than genetics. Right, Renee? Anything about that? Yeah, I I love how he really drives home that everyone is different, all the bioindividualization that we always talk about, you know, and I thought it was funny at the end when we, well, I don't want to give anything away, but basically he's like, you know, don't ask me for advice unless I know something about you, you know, just to prove yeah. how different everyone is. I thought that was funny. Oh yeah. I come up against that quite a, a bit. People asking for nutrition advice. It's like, well, how much time do you have? And <laughs> Right, show right. me all of your history and lifestyle. It's like you have to weed, yeah. weed through so much to yeah. actually begin to have a conversation. So it's like, I, Lauren, Lauren, I have IBS. What do I do? I'm like, oh my god, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, that's like the how much time do you have? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll have Joe explain it. But on self decode, if you 
purchase the report. There's many sub reports within that from wellness to mood to vitamins, methylation. There's even a COVID-19 report. Really awesome. And yeah, this is a cool conversation. And I think we want to start bringing more of this genetic stuff to you. So here is your dip in the water. (laughs) Yeah. And if you want to actually run the reports for yourself, I don't know, maybe before or after the episode, you can actually get 10% off with code biohackerbabes. Woohoo. That helps. Yeah. Love a code. <laughs> love it. Love it. Awesome. So All before right. we bring him on, I want to redo this bio real quick. So Joe Cohen, founder of Self Decode, Self Hacked, and Lab Test Analyzer is a thriving speaker and entrepreneur that has been independently researching health and science for over 15 years. Growing up with a myriad of health issues that conventional medicine failed to solve, pushed Joe to study his own genes to get to the root cause of his problems. After fixing his chronic health issues with a personalized gene-based approach to health, he knew that he needed to share his information with the masses. So founding Self-Hacked, Lab Test Analyzer, and Self-Decode was Joe's way of helping people to take their health into their own hands. Now, Joe regularly speaks at events alongside the world's top health experts and continues to work on enhancing his company's products to provide people with access to cutting-edge tools and information designed to optimize health. Awesome. So he is a biohacker just like us. He is very inquisitive and curious just like us, and he's done some wild things to figure out his own health. And I think I think it's just so cool that he also, you know, wasn't getting answers from traditional medicine. So went out on a quest to do it himself. So he sure did. All right, let's dive in. All right. So welcome, Joe. We're so excited to talk to you today. I would love to hear your story or actually I would love for you to share your story with our audience because I think through your own chronic health issues and I think your inherently inquisitive and introspective nature, you've really paved the way for other health seekers and for other biohackers. And I think you're a little similar to us in the in the way that we all want to experiment and kind of get through the muck so we can, you know, cut to the chase and help other people to get there a little bit faster than maybe it took for us to get there, right? So I would love for you to just share your story and how you got to where you are today as a health optimizer. Yeah, definitely. Thanks uh, for having me here. So growing up, I kind of was one of these people with a lot of different health issues. I started to experience health issues when I was an adolescent, probably like 13 years old, I would get tired after eating, you know, just kind of gut problems. But something, you know, wasn't so bad, I guess, as I got older, the problems got worse. And I, and I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Whereas they didn't have a problem one day. And then as they got older, maybe they did not feel as good, right? Uh, you know, maybe you can't drink a six pack of beer in one shot and then be fine the next day. Whereas maybe you were able to do that in college or, you know, or or younger, whatever it is. So I kind of went through, I had, you know, but I was starting off at a stage where I was, you know, not doing well with just, I, I was just not doing well. But on the other hand, I went to doctors and they said I was healthy, right? Uh, there, there didn't seem to be anything blatantly wrong with me and I didn't have any disease that they could diagnose me with. So I was in this kind of you know, space where I didn't have a serious disease. You know, I wasn't going to die, but I, didn't, I knew I wasn't optimally healthy. And as time went on and I got worse, I, you know, it, it, it became more of an imperative to optimize myself because, you know, I got, I was basically like 25 already, 26. And I was just like, you know, I can't, I can't, how am I supposed to hold down a job? How am I supposed to have relationships or do anything? How am I supposed to live life optimally if I can't, um, if I'm not optimal, right? I can't, uh, there's just a whole bunch of things wrong. My gut issues, sleep. And I was just, you know, all these things that weren't, Necessarily categorize categorize as serious disease, but I was a, a you know I was far from optimal. You know I was already researching health in my even in high school, but really start like when in my twenties, early twenty twenties, I was really researching it. I was learning about medicine and biology, and I you know and and I I started to learn a lot about the body. And something that was always fascinating to me was it it, it seemed very clear that everyone was coming out with their personal journey that 
this is what helped them. Compared to all the personal journeys, you would find out that there were a hundred different stories about what helped an individual for the same issue usually, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, there's some, you know, common ones, you know, there's some common things that you would gather, but what you see is that a lot of people, you would hear a lot of stories about a, a, a given issue and a whole bunch of different things help different people. And so I was always fascinated by why does one thing work for one person and not work for another person? If, if I read that some work for somebody, I would always ask myself, I wonder how this person is built necessarily have to try this thing because it's, and categorize them in, in ways that, you know, basically categorize them from a biological perspective. So one of the first things was like TH1 and TH2 in how different people's immune system was built. And now I learned through a lot of reading and there's a whole bunch of different pathways. But the, the bottom line is that I was fascinated by the differences between people and how different therapies or different approaches can optimize different people. Everyone has their own kryptonite and you have to find out what your kryptonite is and that's how you can become optimal. Personally, I figured out what my kryptonites were and I became, I I fixed all my issues and I became optimal uh, and I used my genetics and lab tests in order to personalize my approach, in order to see how I was different, what are the things that can help me and that's how I got into the space. That's an amazing journey. I, and I actually had a very similar story where traditional doctors said I was healthy, but I knew I wasn't optimal in my mid-20s. So I, I feel your pain, <laughs> but you've learned so much and you've been able to help so many people now. And I'm curious what, maybe you can share what your kryptonites were. I mean, I know this is going to be different for everyone, but like for you, was there anything that really stood out that you were surprised or shocked about? Well, one of my kryptonites, one of the main ones was food sensitivities. And what was very important, I mean, the thing is, is that even if you know your kryptonite is food sensitivities, you don't know which foods can give you problems. Everyone has different problems with different foods. I had to figure out, number one, that it was from food sensitivities, which was something that wasn't apparent. And the reason it wasn't apparent is because I'm also a skeptical person, like, uh, you know, if you go to enough doctors, every doctor will tell you something else. You might realize that specialists, they're going to tell you all of them have to do with your brain. Whatever specialist you go to, they're going to tell you that your problems are from that area where they have a specialty. So I'm very skeptical. And, you know, I was always skeptical of like specialists. And I, I, I always felt like I needed some kind of data about some objective data about what my issues were and how they were different from other people. Like, it's almost like if I, were to, if I were to go to a doctor, I would ask them, what do you tell your other patients? And how do you differentiate me from your other patients, right? What are the tests you use? What are the methods you use? I think it's really important that you understand the methodology about how, what they're saying, why, you know, that they're not just giving the same information to everyone, right? So, you know, first I, I learned that I had food sensitivities in part through my genetics and in part through uh, self-experimentation. We actually have a food sensitivity report now. And earlier on in the days, it wasn't, you know, so apparent from genetics, but we, we created a food sensitivity report to make that easier. And we have a whole bunch of different topics. But one of the topics that turns, uh, that, that shows high risk for me is lectin sensitivity. That lectin sensitivity has to do do with the cannabinoid system. And I discovered that pretty early on because I was getting a lot of uh, clients and I was doing a lot of my own research. And I realized that the people that were sensitive to these foods, to to a variety of grains and things like that, beans, they had these genes that were increasing their sensitivities to lectins and, you know, uh, see that pot does, marijuana, THC, right? So THC has like happy and anti-anxiety effect. I mean, uh, on the cannabinoid receptor, it's in some ways it could have like a paranoia effect for some people, um, which is based on genetics as well. But essentially, it also is an, a very potent anti-inflammatory. And if your cannabinoid receptor is not working, that can result in an inflammatory profile and particularly in the gut where the cannabinoid receptors are most rich and in the brain. So uh, you'll see kind of like an anxiety gut connection 
a lot of that has to actually do with the cannabinoid and the stress response system, which, which go together. So it was this system that I found out through the genetics was altered. And that also corresponds to certain lab tests as well. But I found that the, this was altered and that was my biggest kryptonite. And once I uh, stayed away from grains and beans and uh, some other plant-based foods and, and dairy as well, but dairy was more of an allergy that I picked up and same with eggs. So there were, fo- there were food allergies that I picked up over time. I actually like know when I picked up the egg allergies, but, but I had food sensitivities for a really long time. And so th- the point is, is that food sensitivities was my kryptonite. And I was able to not only find that out, uh, but also uh, once you know that it's working with the cannabinoid receptor, there's a lot of uh, ways to mitigate them as well. Hmm. That's so interesting. And just the lectin piece... I think that's so important to talk about because everyone is talking about Dr. Gundry's work on lectins. And there, there's like these two camps where everyone's like, lectins are killing us and lectins are fine. But it sounds like it's really a genetic piece that people aren't even talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually sent an email to Dr. Gundry in 2015 telling him about the cannabinoid receptor because oh. uh, we were talking early on. Uh, because I had written a post about lectins. You know, I think that Dr. Guntry has a lot of interesting work. The place that we would, you know, kind of digress is that he thinks that, that lectins are really a problem for pretty much everyone and you have to just reduce it. I think it depends on your genetics. Even though I'm affected by it, I do think it depends on... It's very clear that there's a lot of people who go on his diet and don't notice a difference in their symptoms. And I know that because I was coaching these people and, you know, it would be like, okay, go on this Dr. Gundry diet. And they, they didn't notice a a difference. Now there were, there were people who did notice a difference. And the point is, is that's where it really comes in. You got to know who is going to do well on what. It's not that his diet doesn't have value. It's just that you got to know who it has value for. Yeah. So Joe, actually I ran my food report on your website and I have lower than average sensitivity to lectins. And I read Dr. Gundry's book and I never really felt called to do that, that diet. So I never totally went lectin free. So maybe my intuition just kind of picked up on that, but it seems like genetically yeah. I do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, I would probably, I would agree with that. Right. So, I mean, your genetics is not everything just to be clear. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a propensity. Now, Certain events happen in people's lifetimes, which can change it, this genetic expression. But like you're saying that if you're low on the lectin sensitivity, I would assume that if you're having a given issue, it's probably not the source of it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it could be from other aspects of food, but the, the lectin sensitivity really comes when you study the genetics of these food sensitivities, like very generic kind of food sensitivities. We're not talking about uh, sensitive to, you know, one specific food, you know, someone's just sensitive to avocados or something, right? We're talking about like a very generic food sensitivity to plant-based foods. That's where, that's how I would categorize lectin sensitivity because lectins are in plant, all plant-based foods and there's many different kinds of lectins. So it's a very generic kind of plant protein that is broadly in plant foods. And in general, plants stimulate the immune system. And people have different immune profiles where some people already have an overactive immune system. Now, the immune system is very complex. So we don't have to get into all aspects of the immune system, but there are in in the way that foods interact with our body, you know, on a day-to-day level, uh, in the way that foods and, and plants and supplements and different, you know, healthy behaviors interact with our body's immune system, there's a very dynamic system of Th1 and Th2, right? And it's just this T helper system. Uh, you don't have to, you know, know exactly what it is. But the point is, is that there's this balance between the immune system that it's either uh, goes in one direction or another. And people who are balanced in the one Th1 system have one kind of problem. And people who are in the TH2 have a different set of issues. And some people have both one and two dominant, right? The point is that most often people are imbalanced in one way where they'll have high levels of one or the other and there's different negatives about that. And there's different positives as well. Now, one of the negatives is that foods 
plant-based foods stimulate this system, the uh, the TH1 system, which basically like the immune, the TH1 is where the immune system is overactive. TH2, when you stimulate that, the immune system actually becomes underactive. You know, you don't want the immune system to be o- too overactive in one way, and you don't want it to be too underactive in one way. You want it to be balanced. And basically, people are on some kind of uh, somewhere on the the weight scale, somewhere on the scale where, uh, for example, on the one hand, you have people like carnivores who maybe they only eat steak and nothing else, or only eat meat and nothing else. And then on the other hand, you have vegans that only eat plants and nothing else, right? And there's people who do well on both, right? And they swear by it. With veganism, there is uh, some ideology. I think there's merits to it besides the health aspects of it. So there's a kind of ideology towards that. But if you actually take away the ideology, I do believe that there are some people that feel better on a vegan diet. Um, I don't think it's the healthiest diet in general, but you know, basically what that goes to show you is that there is a balance of people who do well with basically no plants, and then there's people who do well with all plants. And between that, there's most people I think do well with a mix of plants and meats, you know, animal mm-hmm. foods. So the way the immune system is built is that people who are very tilted to the TH1 side of things, they do better with more animal foods because the plants stimulate TH1 even more. I'm someone who is tilted to TH1. And that means that, uh, you know, I do better I do better with less plants because if I ate a lot of plants, it would stimulate my immune system and that would cause inflammation for me once it goes overboard. And for people who are TH2 dominant, they do better with plants because that means their immune system is underactive in this way and they, they are better off by stimulating the immune sim- system in this way, right? And that's kind of the big dichotomy. Now, I realized that this was uh, very important for a long time. I was talking about this since uh, 2013, 2014 already. And definitely one of the first, I think I was the first person to talk about it on the internet, not in the scientific literature, right? There's a lot of science on it before that. I think since like 1990 or something. But it's just nobody, it wasn't really in the forefront. What I didn't realize, I knew that it had something to do with the food sensitivity. I didn't realize how strong, strongly related it was. And then when we started to do research on the genetics, we had, I had the team, my team do research. We start to realize that 90% of the genes was involved in that system in one way or another. That was like a really interesting, you know, I thought it maybe was like 10, 20% of, of these food sensitivities. But the, the, these broad-based food sensitivities, but it actually seems like it's quite—it's—it's it's quite extensive. It's—it's it's extremely significant, and it, and it makes sense when you think about it because the things that reduce the Th1 dominance for me actually uh, allow me to eat more plants. So right now, I basically know when to eat plants because I know if I do something that reduces my Th1 dominance, then I could—I have more tolerance to plants to stimulate it. So for example, rigorous exercises, something, and sun are things that uh, reduce the TH1 system, right? And right after I get a lot of sun or right after I do a lot of exercise, I have more of uh, leeway in eating more plant-based foods. And that's kind of where I shift my plant-based foods. And I'm not talking about grains or beans. Those are just too much for me in general. But I'm talking about uh, things like nuts, seeds, fruits, and maybe some starchy vegetables. So I make sure to plan my timings of when I'm eating things based on the system. And now that we have the food sensitivity report, not, not only do we have you know advice in it, but we also show you if you are lectin sensitive and if you have certain other sensitivities uh, with different foods. So question, uh, and this is kind of a complex question, where did T17 and like Treg fit in there? So like we have a lot of different T cells and they all have to sort of like work together to orchestrate the immune system. And as you were saying, like you can upregulate or downregulate. And I think it's such an interesting year to be talking about that as everyone is following this plant-based trend and also with what's happening on the planet with the virus. There's like so much upregulation. So question number one is, how do you test for those particular T cells? And it sounds like the lifestyle modifications are actually pretty basic. 
getting exercise, getting sunshine, breathing, getting hydration. So to what point do you really have to dial in to those particular propensities if in the end, the lifestyle modifications are, I would say, like on the general side? Well, not all of them are on the general side. So a lot of supplements are, you know, uh, probably half of the supplements are TH1 stimulating and the other half are TH, I mean, herbals. You, the herbals usually fall into one or the other. And, and a lot of supplements also fall into one or the other. And it's more important if you're, I only take supplements that gen, generally, 95% of the supplements I take inhibit TH1. So number one is it's very important to know if you have the selectin sensitivity uh, or not based on the diet that you should do. Some of the health uh, you know, recommendations would be generic. I mean, you know, it's always going to be good to get some sun, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's always going to be good to exercise a little. The question is how much? And, you know, uh, I think it's very important to know, number one, if you have these propensities to lectin sensitivity, so that if you have problems, you know where that, okay, you, first, you, you, you do want to look at your diet. Uh, just exercising won't necessarily take care of it, right? So like I said, I still can't eat grains and beans and just exercise. Uh, and then the other thing is that you know that like for for me, I have to eat it with exercise and sun and certain other behaviors in order to you know not get TH1 spike. So there's a lot of things that do make a difference. You do want to know if you are, if you have this propensity for lectin sensitivity and then if you do have any problems uh, related to gut or any kind of autoimmune issues, it's very important that you go on a, an elimination diet, a strict elimination diet for some time where you really have a very limited diet to see if, if the issues get better at all, right? So I do think it does matter in terms of the supplements and the dosage of how much sun you get and how much exercise you get could impact that. You're right. I mean, everyone should exercise some amount, everyone should get some sun. How much you get, that is dependent on a number of var variables like for sun, how light, you know, how light is your skin and how is your immune system balanced. So yeah. And how do you know if your immune system is balanced like between TH1 and TH2? Is that part of the testing? We, we don't have a report out on that yet, but for the lectin test, basically if you're high on lectin sensitivity, this is kind of, you know, pro tip here you're going to be, it means that uh, you're TH1 dominant. So okay. yeah, as it relates to these kinds of food sensitivities, if you're not lectin sensitive, then you're probably not TH1 dominant. You're probably TH2. Um, it's, it's something that's a little hard to tell with the genetics in general, meaning we tell this with, in this report, you, we're telling if you if you have food sensitive, like these, which kind of food sensitivities you have. So let's say lectin sensitivity if you're predisposed to it. But yeah, I mean, um, and basically through that, if you're having these kinds of lectin sensitivities, it usually means that you're TH1 dominant. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm looking at my report again. And the only thing that came up like in the red for me really high was alcohol. It says I'm alcohol intolerant. Interesting. Okay. So could explain why I, <laughs> I get the worst hangovers. Okay. Yeah. That I mean, if sense. I have, if I have two drinks, it takes me a whole day to recover. Like, oh, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. I mean, so that yeah. means you, you don't do well with alcohol. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, interesting. Yeah. It is people who can drink. They, they have like four or six drinks every day and they're just like, fine. I don't know how they yeah. do it, but it blows my mind when I see that. I mean, like, it's genetics. It's, it's okay. Yeah. 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 Definitely. It, it, yeah. So Joe, I actually want to take a step back and, and talk about self-decode and what you're doing. So for our audience, for anyone that doesn't know about genetic sequencing or SNPs, these polymorphisms, which are like genetic variations, which as you said before, it doesn't mean that you are going to get a disease, but if your body is put in the right environment, you could be really susceptible to developing that. Can you give like a basic overview of the SNPs that are presented on Self-Decode and how that's presented? Sure. So like you were saying, it's extremely difficult to try to guess someone's risk from genetics because there's genetic expression that can change based on your lifestyle, right? And that's kind of what we're trying to do. We're not trying to... The most important things about what we're doing is not giving you the risk. It's more like telling you, here's how you can optimize for this specific uh, issue. Everyone has a bunch of 
I mean, we're, we're born with about 10 million variations in the gene between individuals. Uh, you mean, meaning like the, the human population has about 10 million variations, uh, in terms of these SNPs. And these are kind of like single variations within the DNA. And it's 10 million out of 3 billion. We're 99.9% quite similar, but then you have these small variations can, that can actually make a very big difference. You know, we're also 99% similar to chimpanzees and <laughs> it's quite a significant difference. Uh, so uh, between individuals, uh, you know, just the, uh, you know, a, a dozen of these kind of changes can have, can sometimes have a, a significant difference. You want to find out, number one is the way, so the way that you would go about with your genetics and looking at self-decode in general is you want to first think about what do I want to optimize? Genetics right now is not at the point where you're going to say, okay, just tell me what I got to do and we don't know anything about you. No. What you, what you need to say is, okay, what do I want to optimize? This way you go in, you can narrow. Um, it's kind of like if you're looking, you, you know, if, if you're looking at the globe and you're like, take me somewhere in the globe, it's like, uh, no, tell us which state you want to go in first, right? And then we can like narrow that down. And it's like, okay, now, you know, because the genome is quite big, we want to see where exactly do we want to hone in and give you advice about, right? Because you can't just give generic like advice on just the whole genome. Yeah, uh, it's you know, quite everything. overwhelming if you look it's, at it's huge. Yeah, all of it. So you got to pick a topic that you want to improve on, and that could change over time. And that's kind of how I do it as well. I have a topic that I'm interested in, and then I look at that, right? So. Then what we do is we have these, you know, we take the 30 most important genes on a topic and we do the research, we look up the recommendations for each gene and we put them in the, the self-decode personalized health blog that you can see if you're a member. So it, it, each blog post changes based on your genetics. And so you could do like a deep dive if you want. You could look at what are your top five genes for a given topic. And these topics could be weight, it could be you know, uh, sleep, it could be mood, it could be a whole bunch of, it could be respiratory infections, which is popular now because of COVID. You know, we have attention, pain, gut health, that's a big one, trauma, I mean, allergies, longevity, thyroid. We, we you know, we have a lot of different topics, cognitive function. And so what do you want to improve? Now, once you pick what you want to improve, then you can look at the self-decode blog and the reports that we have on the topic. And the self-decode blog will give you the top five genes or the top, you know, top five genes that you need to look at and read about. And it shouldn't take you more than 15 minutes to read about these top five genes. And it, it, it automatically sorts it based on where you have the most risk, right? Where the biggest associations are for a given uh, condition. And then you want to also look at your report. I mean, each of these posts also has recommendations. And then you want to look at the recommendations, maybe look, uh, do a little bit of research. We also have self-hack that comes with it. So it's a private, you know, uh, library for self-decode users. Uh, you also want to see if there's any lab tests. We also have a lab analyzer built into self-decode. So you get quite a lot of things that are combined with it. The lab analyzer, the private database of information on self-hack. And so you look at the reports and they give you personalized summaries of prioritized list of supplements or life, healthy lifestyle factors that you should try to implement and see how you do. So they're prioritized from like usually one to 25 or something like that. And then you could go from one and then go to two and then three. And so what we're doing there is we're looking at the genes that are increasing your risk. And then we're give, we're, we have our algorithm that looks at what are the recommendations based on all of these genes within this given topic? So while it could be quite big in the beginning, the way that we narrow it down is number one, by the topic. And then number two is we look at the most important genes for that topic. And then we're looking at your genes in particular. So which ones are you most at risk for? And that generally will come down to like 10 different genes. And you could read about the top five or whatever you want. And I'd say that is the most important. And then, then you'll have a good action plan after you have your report to try to implement some of the stuff in order to improve that 
area. And, and you'll want to track that with your lab tests as well and try to get lab tests to see where your baseline is. So can you just explain for the user what they would experience in using the lab tests with the genetics? Because we know with lab tests, you're, if you're measuring blood, you're, you're finding like pretty real data, comparing it to the likelihood of the propensity for a variation or disease outcome. So what does that user experience look like? You, let's say we, we sell labs. We, we will be selling, I mean, we sell labs. Once this airs, at least, we'll be selling labs. Um, we're in the process of, of doing that. Let's say if you want to go to your doctor and get labs, that's also fine. Or if you already have labs, that's that's great. You basically upload your labs and each topic has different labs that you want to get. We also help, uh, categorize them so that you can look at which labs you want to get. You want to... Okay, so what, what the lab analyzer does is it basically... Uh, it it uh, also ranks the labs that are most out of the optimal range. And then it gives you a bunch of information on each lab test to show what it means and how you can improve it. Basically, like it, it really goes together with the genetics because genetics can tell you your propensity. It can also give you some recommendations. And then the labs is, is better at tracking, right? You can't track with genetics except think, you know, seeing how you feel. But with the labs, you can track, let's say, your CRP and see if your inflammation is going down. You can track if you have an autoimmune condition, you could track antibodies. You know, So you got to pick what are the once you do a bunch of labs and you see which ones are related to your condition, you have to pick the top five or the top three that have to do the most with your condition. And if you don't know what you're doing exactly, we try to help you out with the, the software. But you know, some people maybe have you know they 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 have a, a doctor or coach help them out or whatever. But essentially, you got to pick you got to do a bunch of lab tests that are related to a given topic. And see which ones come out suboptimal. Not only abnormal, but suboptimal. And and we filter them by the labs that are most suboptimal. So they'll come up to the top. And then you want to see, okay, does this lab have to do with my condition? After all said and done, you usually end up with three to five lab tests that you want to track over time. And then you implement the regimen and then do another test after three months and see how these labs are doing. Right? So... It really, it could be very broad depending on what the topic is. But if it's something to do with inflammation, you definitely want to check your HSCRP. If it's blood sugar levels, you want to check your H, H1, uh, HbA1c. So you really have to just find which, which are the markers that you want to track. And those are going to depend on what issue you have. With food sensitivities, you know, for me, I was tracking my thyroid hormones. Uh, you can track adiponectin to some degree, um, but also TNF-alpha. But those are specialized specialized labs. The HSCRP can move a bit, but it's very, it's very subtle. The, the main thing that I was tracking that I noticed when my issues got better were my thyroid, my free T3 went up. That's probably not, you know, it's probably a, a harder to track in general, but also, there were a variety of inflammatory markers that went down. Some Your ferritin should go up as well uh, because when you have more gut inflammation, it, it blocks iron absorption. And so ferritin is a measure of iron and my ferritin went up. So there's no very easily accessible... There, there were some inflammatory markers that were high, but they, they're not the most accessible. Kind of like total antibodies were a little higher, stuff like that. Yes, yeah, so so you really have to dial have. down. Yeah, you got to <laughs> dial down and what are the top three markers that you want to check and then check them over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I also like that you do the gene packs. That's something that Christine Dynese pointed us in that direction to look at the gene packs because we know like there's so many and you know there's like the popular genes, MTHFR, which is the sexy gene. It's like the one that everybody knows about. But how important is that? We have to look at the bigger picture, right? So I like that you're categorizing and sort of I think attempting to simplify, even though it's still pretty complex. Yeah, the gene packs can be uh, complex, but basically the idea of that was that if you have someone that wants to look at, you know, uh, especially a practitioner wants to look at a a given number of genes, they could create their own pack and then look at that for their clients in an easy way. Uh, so that's kind of the idea there. But yeah, I mean it, that is a lot harder because it doesn't have a lot of the information, whereas. The personalized blog and the reports have all the information contained so mm, they can allow, 
you know, the lay person to read through it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really love the wellness reports. It's just a nice layout, really easy to follow. People can pick whatever they're really interested in. And just myself, like playing around, I mean, some things I noticed, like you were saying, compare the labs to your genes. So like my labs came back, high vitamin B12, good vitamin D, low iron, low ferritin, just throw those three out and low, low triglycerides. Okay. Went to the genetic testing and I have high risk for high B12, high risk for low vitamin D, high risk for low iron and high risk for high triglycerides. So I thought just those four, like looking at that and being like, okay, this is what I need to focus on. Like you said, like you pick your top things. I need to do some regular lab testing and really watch those. Yeah, hundred percent, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I had a very similar experience too because Renee, we we both know our B twelve is high, and I think I had an increased risk for, I think low LDL, but my LDL is actually high. Like some of them were sort of the opposite of what I would expect. So really powerful to yeah I, the thing is is that uh you really have to that's where the lab that's why we're a big fan of labs the labs tell you what is actually like where you are actually at a given time mm-hmm. and right we're we're going i mean we're, we're actually going to be um in a few months we're going to be redoing the whole report system and coming out with a new it's going to be even simpler so I'm i'm really excited about that but yeah i mean labs i i think the it's you really have to look at your labs as well uh if you can and you got to identify the top 3 labs that you know uh that you want to keep track of yeah yeah absolutely. exactly so joe i'm just curious before you had self decode before you created the system and looking at the genetics i know you're like a, a big experimentation guy like just going all in and trying to figure out what works what doesn't work for you i'm curious about like what was the craziest experiment you tried or which experiment maybe gave you results that were really surprising or uh, is there an anecdote in there that's just kind of crazy or really memorable? <laughs> that's funny. Uh, um, you know, <laughs> let's see, what are the craziest experiments I've tried? I don't know. I tried a lot of crazy experiments. I was just, <laughs> you know, when I try something, I just go like gung ho. I, I, I go all out. I don't really do crazy experiments now, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I, it was just, it was great. Like I would ha- eat, eat a half a bottle of sriracha and see how I felt. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. How did that work <laughs> out? <laughs> Not good. <laughs> I was, I did that for like a week. That was crazy. <laughs> Were you tracking symptoms? Like what was the end goal of that? Was it just in the moment physiological symptoms or were you actually tracking data? Um, I was, I mean, I was tracking physiological symptoms like I was, I don't know, I was kind of doing experiments myself to see, uh, like I would see that something worked in a sick certain mechanism and I'm like, all right, let me go all out on that. It was just, I did some weird stuff um, <laughs> and I don't recommend it. But honestly, I think that, you know, it, it, there's no glory in trying crazy stuff. I think people really need, you know, um, it was it, it was like an occupation for a couple of years, just doing crazy experiments. And Honestly, the more I got into genetics, the the more the, the more I stopped with crazy experiments. I just kind of had a much. I was able to narrow in better on what I needed to do. Uh, it was just a more sensible way to go about it, and then also tracking the lab tests. Honestly, like yeah, I don't really do crazy experiments anymore. I I I think you know now I like I've settled in more or less. I'll do small experiments, but I'm pretty happy. Uh, you know wh- the things I change is basically like. I'll get into different things that I want to improve. Sometimes I want to improve my mood. Sometimes I want to improve, you know, my cognitive function more. Sometimes I want to improve, you know, just like longevity or my immune system. You know, there's just different periods. So like, yeah, it's really, you know, it's, it it really fluctuates. And so I'll, I'll change my uh, regimen a bit based on that. I'll look at my different reports. I'll look at my genetics, of course, you know, we're moving to a point where personalized medicine is really taking hold. It's very clear that everyone, that we're all unique, right? We all have our unique differences and we all respond differently to different things. And it's super important that 
we understand how what our blueprint is and how to what are the things that what are the top things we need to do to um counteract our weaknesses and play to our strengths and so i'm probably if you look at me now as a whole you'd probably think i'm like less healthy quote unquote than a number of years ago just because before i was just doing everything i could read about to be healthy and now i just do the things that work for me right so if you actually look at me from the outside you're like ah oh, this guy's probably not so healthy <laughs> but I'm, but i'm actually a lot healthier <laughs> like You're pretty healthy I, I, to me yeah i don't yeah, really I know what you my, mean by that <laughs> no i mean like i don't exercise for an hour a day right um, yeah but who said you know, that was healthy <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, if that's what I'm saying. If you just look at it from a general perspective, you could say, oh, this person, you know, this person's running marathons here and this guy's he's exercising 15 minutes a day. I would say you're <laughs> the mean, smart one, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the amount you exercise, I think, really depends on your genetics as well. It's, it's something and, and what kind of exercise you do. I've learned what are my biggest weaknesses and in terms, you know, usually from genetics and also just from experiments. And then I, I basically like, I do the 80, 20, like what are the, what are the best ways to, you know, what are the most simple, the simplest and easiest ways to accomplish my goals in with 20% of the effort and get 80% of the benefits. And it allows me to live, you know, a, a normal life. I, I see a lot of people doing a lot of things for health and I I really don't think that they're doing the 80 to, I think they're trying to I think they're expending way too much effort on things that aren't giving them a big bang for their buck. Yeah. So I really returns. think people yeah. I really think Yeah, but that's just the personalization, right? People are grasping for answers but they're not really looking within or doing experiments or using genetics or whatever it is to get you know to dial it into their own self. People are just yeah, grasping. I don't, and that's kind of why we started the show. It's like, how can we ask these questions? How can we like look a little deeper? Yeah, I think unless your full-time occupation is health, most people don't <laughs> have the time to yeah. do everything. And I've seen, this is one of the biggest uh, health influencers that I'm friends with. I won't say their name, but this person like literally does everything. They have a sauna in their house. They have a hyperbaric oxygen machine. You, de- I mean, you definitely know this person, but... Like they, they literally do everything and this person's sleep is messed up and their labs are completely messed up. And I'm like, why are you doing this stuff? Like, oh, I heard it from this person that this is a great thing. I was like, have you checked your genetics? Have you looked at your lab? Like, you know, your labs are not optimal. Look, you're tracking your sleep. You're getting zero deep sleep. You're obviously doing something wrong, right? Yeah, the labs are not reflecting all of the effort. Right, no, 100% not. And this person is like, it is their job all day to be healthy and they're actually less healthy than much less healthy. They'd probably be healthier, to be honest, if they were just not even doing that, like if they were barely doing that much. Because also if you go overboard, that could also be a problem. I really think that, you know, people have lives, especially if your full-time job is not to be healthy. You really (laughs) have to find what are the top things, what are the big movers that have the least amount of effort that can make you healthy. Yeah, to move right, the needle. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard people like they go to, you know, upgrade labs or something and they're like, oh, I did the ARX and the red light bed and the sauna and the float tank and all, all in this. one day. And I'm like, <laughs> let me know how you feel tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. Right. So I love, I love it's the fun 80. to try, but that's, it's not reasonable that that's how you're going to live your life. So, right. Yeah. What's the right. takeaway? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so Joe, I would love to to switch the topic real quick. I, we didn't know if we'd bring this up, but COVID, everyone's talking about it, obviously. I love that you have a genetic report. And I don't think people are really talking about genetics. I think now what we're seven months in, people are saying, okay, obesity, being overweight makes a difference. Vitamin D deficiency makes a difference. But no one's really talking about the genetic piece. And I I am seeing it really happen around me. Like I met someone the other day, 60 years old, very overweight. He's not healthy. He was asymptomatic. He only knew he had it because he was around a bunch of people that had it. He got tested. He got tested three times. He was positive, 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 finally negative, never had symptoms. But you would look at him and say, that wouldn't be someone that would handle it. Uh, I had a, 
What's yeah, going? I saw a similar story. I know a person that uh, he's like 70, diabetes, overweight, smoked his whole life. Doesn't never, never exercised. <laughs> wow. Just like never ate healthy at all. Just your prototypical unhealthy person. He got uh, COVID. He was asymptomatic. And the only reason he found out is because his wife was symptomatic and his wife was the healthy one, right? Wow. <laughs> so he took a test because his wife, like once your yeah. wife is sick, of course you're going to take a test. He took a test because the wife was sick and he's like, I didn't know I had it. <laughs> so wow. it's very, and then you have like, uh, you know, there's like these people who are really in, I mean, there was a story of this guy who was like 30 years old making fun of COVID and he dies. He's like, I mean, he was like ripped. He was super into health. Uh, he's just, it just, he, he's, you know, he died. He was like making fun of it. So what's clear is that it doesn't really affect most people that badly. Right. And, and, and by the way, and there's also a bunch of studies that have come out that show that genetics does play a significant role in how badly you do with COVID. Right. Oh, good. Hmm. Yeah. So there are studies that, that show number one, actually your blood type has a significant impact, but there's a number of genes that also have a significant impact. And what we did, and then also there was a new study that came out, how much interferon you produce, which is heavily genetic, by the way. Uh, that's partly has to do with TH1 dominance, by the way, because the TH1 dominance it produces a lot of interferon. But if, if you're not a, an interferon producer or not a high interferon producer, you could have more severe uh, symptoms. You can't just think if you're TH1 dominant. We do have genes specifically on interferon and the risk for respiratory infections and uh, coronavirus-related stuff. So you do want to check that out. Uh, yeah, so basically, I mean, there is a lot of genetic links. There's no question about it. And you could also see that that's the case where, you ha- you know, like you said, you have this person, you know, was very unhealthy and was asymptomatic. And you can have uh, people who are very healthy, uh, they get sick. And, and I've seen a lot of people in the health world, like influencers, uh, they got sick with COVID and they're like still struggling with it. You know, and these people, yeah. their occupation is to be healthy, right? <laughs> so yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't blame them. I, they could be very healthy. I'm just like, I could get <laughs> sick and also get severe symptoms. Um, well, that's or, a lot of pressure know, but, for any one person anyways, <laughs> to, yeah, to be I'm healthy not, all the time. It's, it's so much. Right. No, no. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not blaming them if, 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 if someone gets COVID, cause I do think it's very heavily genetic, but the good news is that there are, since we identify, we can identify a lot of the genes. We could also identify how to counteract some of the weaknesses and what are things that people could do to perhaps lower their, you know, um, weaknesses right? To, to mm-hmm. improve upon their weaknesses. And I know what my weaknesses are. So uh, I actually have a high genetic propensity uh, to uh, negative symptoms from COVID. I have a blood type A. Across which, the board which, or is that like respiratory pretty much, symptoms? Yeah, pretty much across the board. I mean, like everything that I look, I mean, like there's my blood type, number one, and there's like some genes that are directly related to it that I have increased risk for. There's a, there's a number of genes that that are somewhat problematic for for me, and I know that I'm in increased risk. Now I don't think I mean I'm relatively young, so I don't think anything too bad is going to happen. But even not, I don't want to deal with like lung scarring or any of that kind of crap. You know, I'm not I'm not afraid of surviving or not. That's not my fear. But I don't want to have I don't want to come out bruised. You know, after like dealing with the, first of all, I don't even want to get a flu or whatever. So I, I, it's important for me to know what the weaknesses are and know how to counteract those weaknesses. And that's what, you know, that's what I look at. So I know that, you know, I'm, I'm part of my protocol now is based on that, you know, is, is counteracting some weaknesses, you know, and after this COVID thing is going to blow over once they, after time, um, then my regimen will change a bit. But, you know, I mean, I think in general, respiratory infections are one of the top 10 killers in, in the world. Uh, well, at least in the US and developed countries. And uh, COVID is kind of like another one. Like, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, it's a respiratory killer. With COVID, it's like the number one killer probably in the world right now, uh, respiratory infections. 
uh, the developed world. So I think it's quite important, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I mean, everyone I have should a, know. I have a handful of, I guess, the genes that give me, you know, some increased risk. And um, I wish I had I actually, Joe, I had COVID back in June. I wish I had known this information back then, because maybe I would have changed my supplement program a little bit. But I got through it pretty yeah. unscathed, I would say. Yeah. Also, it depends on your gender. So we have also a risk assessment tool that is a complement to your genetics. Looking at COVID just from your genetics is not the best thing. You want to look at, we have a risk assessment tool for that reason, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's equal, if not more. For example, the biggest factor is just going to be your age, no matter what your genetics is, right? Uh, second biggest that's factor nice. is probably going to be your gender. <laughs> like women mm-hmm. just are not affected by it as much. And if seems like it has to do with testosterone and male hormones, uh, Mm -hmm. whereas estrogen is is protective. So, but me, I'm across the board, besides my age, male, you know, reasonably high testosterone, you know, just uh, I got all these genetic factors. I think I'm pretty, like for my age group, I'm pretty high risk, but I mean, you know, uh, but, but my age definitely lowers the risk a lot. But I still, even though I'm relatively young, you know, I, I still have a regimen in place that like it's in my cabinet. If I get COVID, you know, here's what I do. <laughs> right, right. You're ready. Yeah. It's good ready. to have the emergency pack. Yeah. <laughs> the emergency pack is ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so if anyone is interested in getting the COVID report, it's, it's part of the package, right? On Self-Decode. Yeah. Self-Decode is a, quite a large platform with all these different kinds of genetic tools. You get the personalized blog, the wellness reports, and a whole bunch of other features and uh, that are related to genetics. And then you also get uh, the lab analyzing. You also get access to the self-hack database of of articles, which is quite comprehensive. Well, and we're looking forward to seeing the optimization of the site in the coming weeks, but we'll see our audience there. There's there's a lot of big changes coming over the next couple months. Uh, We have a risk assessor tool because that's coming up in less than a week. So by the time this is out, it should be out already. Basically, what that does is, uh, you know, you have your genetic risks, but what we see is that we don't like that. uh, Sometimes it can be misleading because, you know, it doesn't take into account the lifestyle. So what we're doing is we're taking the risk assessment to where we're building. We built a risk assessment tool that you can put in lifestyle factors like, you know, how old are you? How much do you weigh? How often do you exercise? And then we can combine it with the genetics. Uh, right now, the, it's going to be on its own, but in a few months, we're going to combine everything in together to give you a comprehensive overview on all the stuff that like the risk assessment plus your genetics to give you one number on your risk. That's going to be a way awesome. more accurate huh. you know, take on what your actual risk is rather than your genetic risk and then also your lifestyle mm-hmm. risk. Very it's cool. awesome. Very I love it. Okay, so self-decode. It's in the show notes if you want to check that out. Joe, before we let you go, we always like to ask our guests if you could give our audience just one piece of advice or takeaway, something they could start working on today, right now to start optimizing. Body, mind, anything. Any sort of optimization, whatever comes to mind for you. So um, that's a good question. I, I don't think... I mean, it goes kind of back to... I really think you got to understand yourself before you, you know, it, people ask me, will ask me for advice sometimes. And it's like, I don't know anything about your genetics, anything yeah. about your lab test or anything about you. How much yeah. to tell you something like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> like, great answer. I don't, yeah. okay, let me, you know, okay, first get your genetics tested and, and then let's talk. Or, you know, I, I really think that, you need to get data about yourself before it's kind of like anything. If you start a business, you need data about what is making you money, what is not making you money, how your customers are liking your product. Um, anything you do, you need data, but we don't take in data about our own body. And we have the genetic blueprint that you can sequence for cheap, very cheap. And you have lab tests you can take. And now we have software that you can use to analyze it. I really think my, I mean, my thing is I, I personally believe that when you um, uh, want to make a change, you, you really have to like, it, it's got to be a biological change in order to be effective. Yeah. And so 
I would recommend that people really start getting data about themselves and start using that data to make better decisions about your own body. And stop asking for advice until you've done your own work, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, the best, I, really the most successful business people, they know how to take in large amounts of data and make decisions based on that data. If you want to be successful, your body you know, is your business, is your temple, whatever you want to call it. If you want to be successful with it, you have to take in the data, use the right software and, and implement the changes, right? If you just get data and you don't implement it, that's obviously not going to help you. You got to start implementing things and seeing how it works. And, you know, not everything's going to work, right? So uh, Jeff Bezos likes to say that there's a lot of failures at Amazon that you don't hear about, right? <laughs> you hear about the successes, not the failures. And, but he says that the thing is, is that he encourages people to take risks because when something succeeds, it can, it, it can have massive returns over the long run, right? And it's kind of the same with your body. If you find something that really works with you, it has a massive return over the long run. And that's kind of how I thought from the beginning. I thought, okay, if I really like, I, I focused on my health for a couple of years and I thought, if I figure out what works for me, then I will live with these this information for the rest of my life and those returns will be over a lifetime right so i i thought it was a good investment to focus on my health i actually think it was the best investment i could have made because they are still continuing and um i looked at my genetics i looked at my labs i looked i researched my body i was you know i was doing a bunch of research and it it paid off tremendously because these benefits that i got they they keep paying dividends. I love that analogy. It's almost like compound interest, right? Like start yeah. saving money yeah. when you're 10 and when you're 90, it's going to be. It's oh, even, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's even more than, it's like exponential, exponential almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because if I wouldn't have done that, if I would have just been like everyone else, you know, I'm just going to power through this until I just, you know, you know, and just, it would have been that I would have just been stuck in this in in this cycle of like trying to do more, but then not being able to do more, getting worse over time, just because my body's breaking down, not able to do what I want to do. Just I'd be less happy because my mood is worse, uh, less healthy, gut problems. I wouldn't have any kind of social life whatsoever. I wouldn't have a job. It just would really be bad from every angle that you can look at it. Whereas now it's just completely different story. I can, you know, work 60 hours a week. I can have relationships. I can juggle a lot of things. Um, I can hand, you know, I can modulate my mood. I don't have these annoyances with my health. The, the dividends is just tremendous and it's, it's exponential. Yeah. Yeah. It impacts everything in your life. If you're not healthy, oh, yeah. you really don't have anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your inspiration. I think your story, like I said, is so inspiring for other people. So go out there, get your data, make changes, invest in your health, all the good stuff. Yeah. So if you want to find Joe, Self-Decode is the website, Self-Hacked. Can you explain the difference between Self-Decode and Self-Hacked real quick? Self-Hacked is uh, the first thing I started, actually. It was just, it was this you know, I was writing a lot of posts and eventually I hired a lot of writers to write the posts. But it's like very, very in-depth articles. We have about, it's kind of like monographs. Uh, we have about 1,500 of these monographs where they really go deep. Uh, they do these deep dives into each supplement and each, whatever topic we discuss, it's a very deep dive. Uh, but it doesn't take into account genetics. And we we needed these articles anyway because you know, uh, let's say we recommend a certain supplement, we want you to then go to self-hack and really do a deep dive and you could see what are the things that you can do. So when I'm researching supplements or anything, if we have a post on it in self-hack, I always read that first. I always find it to be the most thorough and the best, but it doesn't take into account genetics, but it is kind of a private database because you could only see a very limited number of articles a month if you're not a subscriber, but if you're a subscriber, you get the whole package. Very cool. Great resource. Awesome. And then also on Instagram, self-decode and on Facebook, which one are you more active on? Like if people really want to find what you're up to. Uh, more on 
Instagram, definitely. Uh, the, the, we have the company account, Self Decode. It's more active on Instagram. My my own uh, Instagram handle is Mr. Biohacker. Um, and then we have the company account. Uh, it's more active on Instagram. Great. Cool. All right. Go find him. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for joining us today and chatting with us. And we'll send our audience to you. And we hope you have an amazing day. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Happy biohacking.